time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists. We're professional coaches, and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs. Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes. We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm Cody Waite. Hey there, I'm Kathy Waite. And we're your hosts of the Weight Endurance Podcast, fueled by thefeed.com. Thefeed.com is your online endurance sports nutrition superstore. Uh, so go to thefeed.com and check it out. They have every sports nutrition product. Known to man. Known to man. Gels, bars, <laughs> drinks, all kinds of really cool supplements. I was goofing around last um, weekend on on their website and just looking at like all their stuff in closer detail. There's so much stuff on there, like anti-aging type stuff that was really interesting and all kinds of like supplements and things that are, it's all geared towards performance for endurance athletes. Um, and so they, they did a really good job like finding, you know, not just cliff bar and power bar, but mm-hmm. like really unique stuff. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. It's and pretty cool. And helping out like small up and coming companies too, I bet. Yeah, yeah, probably like some smaller brands kind of get their Yeah, they need a platform to market their products. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So if you haven't done so already, go sign up an account with thefeed.com. That's just as simple as putting in your email. And um, do that at thefeed.com forward slash teams forward slash we dash podcast dash 2022. That's a mouthful. I'll say it every time. I'll put that link in the show notes. But if you do that and then open an account, the feed will put $20 into your account to get you started. So you basically get $20 worth of free product of your choice. Um, And then check it out. They have really cool stuff. All right, on to episode 73. We are going to talk about tracking progress with data. So we are, I think, exactly six weeks, well, seven weeks with the recovery week, seven weeks into our base builder program. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, seven weeks into like the concentrated base training for our 2022 season. Uh, Almost halfway through. Basically. Yeah, you're right. uh, You're right. Um, halfway through. And this is also, um, similar with our, we development program, all the athletes that we coach, um, through that, all our junior and U23 mountain bike racers. We have spent the last week or so reviewing all of their data, um, kind of at this halfway point of one space building and, thought it made sense to talk about that and share that with our podcast listeners and um, adult athletes that are in our programs. This is how we kind of review stuff. I was going to break out into that song. This is how we do it. Okay, no, <laughs> never again. <laughs> that was pretty good, I guess. Um, but yeah, before we get into that, we'll do our what have we been up to. First and foremost, a um, little quick announcement, our Cure kit store for the season Yes. has like a couple more days left on it. We're recording this on Friday morning, and the store closes Sunday night. So, Come on, people. Yeah, get we'll, your orders in. We'll get this show posted up here this afternoon on Friday, and if you're listening to it right away, you've got two days or less to get your orders in. So that's at teamshop.cure.ch, and cure is C-U-O-R-E dot C-H. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. 
go in there. Um, we have some really cool kits, some kind of racer inspired ones. Oh my god, you did it again! He, you shake your shoulders every time. <laughs> I can't help it. You talk about the, the gravel clothes. Uh, yeah. Oh the gosh. Adventure Series. Um, I'm really excited about those. So go check it out. Use the code WEIGHTENDURANCE10, all capitals, and you get 10% off your order there. So load up. All proceeds will go to help support our redevelopment program on that as well. And then let's see. What have we been up to? I mean, we finished up our 32-minute power anaerobic threshold intervals. That was a mouthful. Um, Yesterday. Yesterday was our last workout of that. Yeah, what you want to talk about those? Oh, wow. I'm just so grateful I have you and Sophia as my training partners here because doing them by yourself is difficult. You know, and uh, during the morning time while we're getting ready, I think we were all moaning a little bit about, you know, pre- preparing for these. But mm-hmm. it's just so much easier with a friend or friends. And then we're also very lucky we get to do these outside right now because most people and for years we just did them inside right yeah for years we did them in our trainer studio yeah. with a group of people which was also great but um if i have to choose inside or outside i'll take yeah. it outside so i time. applaud everyone who is slugging away on the trainer in winter weather um and never do i mean to rub this in but i'm so glad we're in arizona and we can be outdoors doing these yeah it is definitely nice um and we talked about these intervals in the last episode so these are our 32 minute power in intervals Mm -hmm. basically if you were to go as hard as you could for 32 minutes that's the power we're training at and we break them up into smaller intervals the the what would you call it? The keystone workout would be four times eight minutes at your 32-minute power. Mm-hmm. So you accumulate 32 minutes worth of work at one's maximum 32-minute power capability. And like you said, they're tough. So, I mean, eight-minute, we'd worked up to the eight-minute long ones. I think um, I did four by eight on Tuesday and Thursday this week. Wow, that's really great. And, um, you know, it's a good amount of power. Where depending on one's fatigue rate, you know, you're talking like five to eight percent over your FTP type mm-hmm. power. Um, so it's a good amount of power for a relatively long period of time. Um, I, I mean, I think they're challenging. I like these. I tend to be, I'm more of a muscular endurance rider anyway, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a pure power, you know, like the anaerobic power and even VO2s are more challenging, I think, for me. I like that steady power, but um, they went well for me. But I'm glad they're done and ready to move on <laughs> to, some, to the yeah. next progression, yeah. which we'll talk about here in a, after the main topic. But how'd your intervals go? Uh, they actually went really well. I, I, I have mixed feelings about this type of interval because it is longer than my preference. I, I, my favorite intervals are like the one-minute ones. Okay, so the anaerobic like, power. Yeah. Even, like with that in mind, eight minutes is pretty long for me. True. So um, they actually went really well. And I kept waking up the last two weeks in the green on my whoop data, my whoop um, wristband. Yeah. And so although I was only supposed to do uh, three sets of eight on Tuesday, I, I was in the green. Right. So here's what I did. I did three sets of eight. I was struggling a little bit. I had this really uncomfortable pulled muscle in my mid back, and literally every inhalation I took was making me like mm. moan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got through them. My heart rate was fine, but my power was just a couple watts low. And so I decided to go for the fourth one, but make it um, four minutes with a one minute break in between. Break it up at yeah. that. Yeah. Smart move. Yeah. So I did it. I felt good about that. I just kept a good eye on my um, heart rate and didn't let it get over 92%. And then yesterday, even though I felt pretty tired from the week, my numbers were just like crazy good. I did four by eight, 
Um, well, I'll interrupt too. You woke I woke up extremely high in the green and mm-hmm. probably like ninety seven percent recovered yeah. or something. Yeah. So your recovery has been uh, yeah really amazing. off the charts. Like you have like a streak of like was like ten days in the green or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever done that. Yeah. That's impressive. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I'm really really excited about that too. Um, and I, I guess the big difference there is that I decided to have like a dry February, so mm. very, very little alcohol. It was going to be none, and then a friend was with us, so I think right. I had something. Yeah. So um, there is there has been a huge correlation between my alcohol consumption and my REM sleep. Right. And there, therefore, probably my recovery score too, but it's noticeable. It's like crazy noticeable. Yeah. Um, if I have a drink... It's, I'll get like an hour or less of REM. If I don't drink, um, hour 45 plus. Yeah. Guess how much I had last night. I know, but you surprised the <laughs> no, listeners. Like three hours and five minutes. Yeah, over three hours. I didn't that's know insane. that could happen. Yeah, that's a lot of REM. And it's crazy. And um, that means I really worked hard yesterday, but yet like recovered really well. Like I, I had my recovery drink. I ate good food. I read in bed. I stretched. I rolled. Like, I did and a did lot of good right? stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm just like really excited about my recovery, uh, scores lately that being in the green, I feel better. I'm sleeping better. I definitely do miss my glass of wine at night, but I've decided that it's just not worth it for me. Yeah. I want to feel good the next morning. Right. It's a trade off. Many things in life are, I think it's like you could choose to do X, Y, and Z and know that the trade off is going to be C, D, and F or whatever. I I lost that. I felt you there. Okay, I think okay. you're like, <laughs> no, it's been interesting. So anyway, all that to say, I've been feeling pretty darn good besides that stupid pulled muscle. Um, and then, so yesterday out there, I just was nailing it. I, I did all four sets of eight minute intervals mm-hmm. and my power was higher than it was on Tuesday. It was really solid, like really, really solid. What, what I was holding for the two minute intervals when we started this set, okay. the broken intervals right, for this right. set. Yeah. So, like, major progress in two weeks. Ended the intervals, you know, with a bang, and I feel pretty good about that. And the fact that you are recovering so well in the green on a regular basis means you're not overdoing it, Mm -hmm. and so your body's going to be able to absorb that work and adapt to that work and and thus grow stronger, more fit. So that's super exciting. I feel like this is the most consistent I've been in a long time. I think you're right. Yeah, in the last several years, at Mm -hmm. least, for sure. So it comes back to the sleep. The sleep again for me, like yeah, I, well, I'm we, very sensitive to not getting good sleep. I don't know how people survive on minimal sleep. Yeah, you know, I'm not like always the best sleeper, but I've worked a ton on what they call sleep hygiene mm-hmm. and um, you know earplugs and eye mask. That's a weighted eye mask, which makes me feel kind of safe and hugged. Yeah, and reading in bed and the no alcohol is. is definitely the the most important factor for me for you yeah Yeah. exactly yeah yeah sleep is i think number one when it comes to just like general health and and Mm -hmm. like longevity um and then also helping performance as well but i think that that is key um so i may have rambled there a little bit but i'm just very excited yeah there's a reason to be so that's that's fantastic (laughs) so i think it's safe to say we're both nailing the the training front of things, and hopefully our uh, adult base builder athletes in our in our base builder program are, are doing the same. Um, all right, before we get into the main topic of kind of reviewing and your data and tracking your progress thus far, let's touch on our featured product. Yes, this is such a fun um, section we've been doing lately. Yeah, this is fun. So the feed has generously supplied us with uh, an allotment or a sample of products from various uh, manufacturers. 
So we've got a tr- we've been able to try a lot of new things, and I mm-hmm. think we've both found some things that we're going to incorporate into our racing and training on a regular basis going into the new year. This week we're talking about kind of our standard the product we've been using for the last two or three years, which is science and sport. Um, pretty pretty mainstream. Um, they got a, I would assume they're among the most popular in terms of gels. Um, mm-hmm. People are very familiar with them. There's a reason for that. Um, but we'll do a quick little review of sort of our preferred product. Science and Sport themselves has a massive range. Like if you go on their website, like they have like so many different products. It's, it's pretty crazy. So we'll talk about kind of the, some key ones that we feel are the maybe the most valuable. Um, I mean, first and foremost, we could start with the, the gels. Oh, uh, I love them. It, they were life-changing. Yeah. I think I talked about them on our last episode. Yeah. Just like when we found them, I finally fueled properly in a race. Yeah, I think my first exposure to them was at Marathon National Championships when it was in Palo Duro, in Te- Palo Duro Canyon in Texas. Mm-hmm. And that was like How'd you, 2017 Were they giving out samples? They were, yeah. At the registration, there was like a table and you could grab a handful. Oh, okay. And I'd seen them, but I'd never tried them. I thought they were weird because they're kind of like bigger than mm-hmm. a normal gel and blah, blah, blah. Squishy. Yeah. What are these things? But first taste and I thought they were great. Um, so they're called Go Isotonic Energy Gels. If you're not familiar with these, I would be surprised. But um, they're isotonic, meaning you really don't need any water to mm-hmm. take them, which is not like original gels, like power power gels and goos and you know the, the ones that were like the early adopters to the, the gel format. Um, these are definitely more cl- closer to a liquid. They're not... They're not liquid, but yeah. more like a melted popsicle, maybe, is what, what I always think about. You do? Yeah, like an otter pop when you were a kid. Did you ever have otter pops? Um, no, my In mom the didn't buy those. <laughs> and you cut the top off. It's actually quite similar. They were maybe twice as, or three times as tall as this gel, but oh. um, they were a little more liquidy. These are a little more thick, vis- viscous than, <laughs> than the otter pop. How do we describe these? They are just very different. <laughs> uh, but they are thin, and they go down great. Um they, they have a lot of different flavors, mm-hmm. um, which is fun because you, you can avoid, like, the flavor overkill of, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can have a big variety. And um, my one, my personal one little negative is too strong, but little... Uh, complaint? Complaint, yeah, is they're, they're slightly light on the calories for the right. volume of what you're sucking in. So you're sucking in, um, I'm looking at the pack right now, it's two ounces, the package. It does go down very easy, and that's a major, major plus, especially in high-intensity events. Um, but there's only just shy of 90 calories yeah, in 87. 87. So you, you you need to take them more frequently if you're going to... Yeah, uh, why couldn't they just those? made it a smidge bigger and put 100 calories in there? Well, I don't know. They're already on the bigger side, I think, maybe. What I the- don't know. I don't know. It seems like they could have squeezed 13 more calories in there. Right. So, well, what they did about a year or le- about a year ago, they came out with their beta fuel gel. Okay. Um, which I was excited about because I liked the beta fuel drink mix, high carbohydrate drink mix, mm-hmm. and their beta fuel gel is the same size. It's still two ounces, I believe. I'm double checking. Yeah. But they pack double the calories. Okay. So now this guy, the same size as this gel is now 160 calories. I don't think I've actually tried those. Because you remember you got them in the summer, and you're like, don't touch these. I'm going to... I'm saving them for Leadville. Yeah, training, yeah. training for Leadville. Right. Like, that's fine. Because I got a box um, early on, yeah, to practice for Leadville. Um, 
And subsequently, I used them in Leadville, and they worked amazing. And I'll probably use them again in Leadville. It makes sense for a longer race. Yeah. Less to pack. Right. So you have double the calories. So that's really good. Now, the trade-off is they are slightly more viscous, a little stickier, so to speak. Um, as a side note, the regular gels, I thought of this when I was using them in our intervals this week. Mm-hmm. What's another sort of little mini bonus or plus is they're not very sticky because I got a little bit on my hands. Just, oh, yeah. And it wasn't like annoyingly sticky. Yes, that's so It kind of like wiped off and it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Where some gels you get on your hands and, and you're screwed. Yeah, you can't even get yeah. it off. So side note. Um, but the SIS beta fuel gels, if you're looking for a bigger calorie punch will do the trick they're a little thicker they take a little more effort to suck down Mm -hmm. um, but you're getting double the calories in there Um, so great product do you have any insight on the gels i really love them like so much Uh, but a little tip if you're using them in a race you might want to pre clip the edges to make them rip off easier i think they're just a little trickier than some to rip off to open i mentioned on the never second review that they were easier to rip off Mm. um, the tabs in my opinion so on the sis you might want to just do a little pre-clip on both sides yep um i don't love the caffeine flavors they have they're just a little like metallic tasting Mm -hmm. Um, but i would say the coke one was better than like I think there was like a cherry one. Yeah. The cherry one I, I thought I was gonna throw the up. The cherry caffeine is not good. Yeah. I'd the Coke that. one was fine. Right. But I I didn't prefer that caffeine flavor combo thing they were doing versus yeah. the never second uh, caffeine ones. I would second that. Yeah. Good insight. Um, Just personal preference. But, right. Um, For I, sure. But overall, I think they're an incredible product. Yeah. And what are they? They're maltodextrin and fructose and a few other ingredients in there. But they're getting that like uh, two to one isotonic ratio um, of the calorie delivery, So, okay. um, which we've talked about before. Um, okay. And then moving on, a product I like, I don't think you care for terribly, but is the Beta Fuel liquid uh, drink mix. So it's a powder made into a liquid. Um, also isotonic, it packs um, 320 calories into a bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, also fructose and maltodextrin, kind of a two-to-one um, ratio there. Uh, a little bit of sodium in there, not a ton, but a little bit. It, it's a great, I used this for Leadville last year also. Um, it's definitely a high-calorie drink. It tends to run a little thicker slash sweeter Mm-hmm. Than some of the more recent ones we've tried, like the um, the Never Second one, very similar product, but it it tastes a little cleaner. I think. I think it tastes cleaner, less sticky. I think yeah. is the way. And it also mixes the Never Second mix. Pro, um, yes. I can't even get the words out. The Beta Fuel doesn't like shake up as and dissolve as easily as easily in the water. Right. I found you need to mix like the night before, the day before, right, and have it fully dissolved. Which is sort of inconvenient sometimes. So I found that the Never Second and the the Scratch Super Fuel dissolves very easily. Right. And you're kind of like out the door. I'm going out for a training ride. Yeah. So I think the Beta Fuel is a great product. but we're finding others that might be equally great or even slightly better in mm-hmm. some categories. So um, really good. And then the last little thing we'll touch on too, this is among our favorite recovery drink. That's for sure. It's called Rego Rapid Recovery. Um, it's it's. I think it works great. Um, we have, there's chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, at least that we've tried. Maybe there are more flavors. They have a very nice flavor to them. Like I was actually just talking to Sophia and her buddy Jack, who we trained, 
they yeah like or no no it wasn't Jack it was somebody else but they, they said that this chocolate flavor was their favorite flavor of, of any recovery drink yeah they're good flavors um they have in my opinion like kind of the ratio of macronutrients mm-hmm. that I would prefer three scoops comes in just under 200 calories so it's not a huge caloric punch um which is nice because you don't always want like a massive amount of calories in your recovery drink mm-hmm. you want something just sort of light to replenish as soon as you get home and then go take your shower and everything um it has the 20 grams of protein which i do like that was one of our um little complaints about the scratch recovery mix although it, it was probably the the top tasting one it was a little light on the protein in my opinion um, this hits the protein on the head um, and then they also put a really good selection of like um electrolytes in in the Mm. rego so it has a little salty flavor to it yeah that's good which enhances the flavor in my opinion but it's that replenishment idea of like if you just did a hard workout or whatever you need some electrolytes because you probably sweat um and um, it has a pretty good pretty extensive uh list of electrolytes in there and i think some recovery drinks miss that a little bit um but yeah, so that's a good product as well. well. We'll more than likely keep that in our rotation as well. So the Science and Sport Rego Rapid Recovery. Um, so yeah, check them out. Um, the feed is offering a 10% discount on all Science and Sport products in, in their shop. Um, so when you check out on thefeed.com, use the code WEPODCAST-SIS-TFP10, and that'll get you the 10% discount off not just what we spoke about here, but um, any of the SIS products from thefeed.com. Um, so check it out. I think it's some good stuff. If you're not already familiar with it, to give it a try. Um, all right. Should we move on? Yeah. Okay. Ready for the main topic. All right. So we want to talk about using your data to track your progress because we're, like we said, we're six or seven weeks in to training here. You know, it's middle to getting near the end of February. Um, and, you know, race season's right around the corner. You know, we've talked in the past about season review strategies, but there's no reason to wait until the end of the season. I would argue that's too long. Um, you know, let's check every... I, I'm a little obsessive <laughs> about it, and I kind of check almost on a daily basis, but um, that's what I do. But definitely every four to six weeks, I think it's a great idea to take a look mm-hmm. at what someone has been doing, what you've accomplished, maybe what you missed, where you could tweak things to make some, you know, bigger gains um, without a lot of extra effort potentially, right? Um, So you've been hopefully doing training over the last several weeks. You've been uploading your workouts, hopefully, from your Garmin or your Wahoo or whatever device you have. And now it's time to Take a look at that and review and, and maybe make some adjustments if, if need be. How's that sound? Well, yeah. I mean, one thing that came to mind as you were preempting this conversation is that sometimes people don't have their workouts automatically uploading or there was some sort of technical glitch. Mm-hmm. And just checking in after, I really think at the end of the week before you hit the weekend, it's a good time to look anyway. But if you're doing it once a month or once every six weeks, it's a pretty it's pretty clear quickly if you just haven't been uploading things so that's right. that's a way to kind of get your tech, technology reset yeah and then yeah so i think step one in. would be to and let me actually take a step back here one little caveat to put to this whole discussion is that you will need a 
Training Peaks premium account to be able to do the things we're going to be talking about here. Um, so if you don't have that, you're, you are sort of, quote, missing out a little bit on the review features. And that would be probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest reason to have a Training Peaks account. So um, doesn't matter to us if you have a Training Peaks premium account, but I think they are highly beneficial. Um, but yeah, so if you do, um, well, even without a Training Peaks premium, I think with the basic, you can look at your calendar. Mm -hmm. And the first little like skim or scan of like looking over the last four to six weeks and noticing the colors because Training Peaks, as you upload workouts, gives you a green if you did what was planned, gives you a yellow or orange if you did a little less or a little more, and gives you a red if you were way off or didn't or do it. Or skipped. I think it just skipped it. Yeah, well, you get a red if you skipped it. Or, yeah. or if, if, if there was a one-hour recovery ride and you did a five-hour ride, I think it would be red. Oh, is it? Yeah. I guess I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a real quick and easy way to, to do that, um, which I think was kind of like what you were saying. And then... Yeah, for sure. On the, on the, I liked your idea or what you just said there of on Fridays, you like to look mm -hmm. going into a weekend. Did you want to extrapolate on that? Yeah, th yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's just a good idea before the weekend to see how much TSS you have to play with. If you're mm -hmm. trying to stay on track with like a really um, progressive, but conservative ramp rate and like meeting your fitness goals. And most people do their biggest rides on the on weekend. On the weekends, right. right. So um, at quick glance, you can see that you had say 450 TSS planned. You've, you've, um, let's just make up a number completed 250 of the 450. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So I have 200 TSS to work with. I could have one giant ride on Saturday or two shorter rides on Sunday or just like uh, low heart rate rides each day mm -hmm. and probably get 200 or like in my case, um, I think I only have 123 TSS left for this weekend, but I know I've been doing a little bit more this week because I was in the green and whoop and felt like I could recover from mm -hmm. more work. Yeah. And so I sort of like got bumped up. And I also know that looking back, um, on my work the last many weeks, I've been trending to about 10% more work than was planned for me and I'm doing well with it. So I know I could add 10% on top of what I have left anyway. Right. So then right. it gives me a better idea of like, okay, I probably have more like 200 TSS to work with this weekend and how do I want to divvy that up between my two days? Right, right. If you're kind of planning, especially if you have to plan around weather mm -hmm. or something else in your schedule, um, whatever that may be that you know. Did I make sense? Did, I think do you, so. Do you want me to clarify any of I, that? I think I, I got what you were saying. So, I mean, once you look at your week on the calendar or past weeks on the calendar, mm -hmm. and you can kind of get the color coding look, you can look ahead, like you said, um, how you could maybe manipulate the weekend a little bit around your workouts and your life schedule and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. And then taking a look at um, your annual training plan, because hopefully what you've done prior to this point is you've got you've got a training plan of some sort whether it's ours or, or somebody's or your own and you've mapped out your annual training plan mm -hmm. um, you know we've talked about that in the past um, oh, I forget optimizing one's training load um, which is like uh, show number 68 episode number 68 I think we talked about that and that lays out your plan for the each week you know, that optimized training load, the TSS, like you were talking about. And it gives you a visual of like the columns of what's planned. 
in that annual training plan. And then you can really graphically see, are you doing more? Are you doing less than what you've optimized or I've optimized for you or whatever the case may be? Um, the graph is amazing, I think. It gives you a quick picture of how you're doing. Yeah. And they've, they've designed it in such a way that it's easy to use and sure. easy to understand it, don't you think? I think so. Yeah, so I, I kind of go there a lot. Like, I've been, I never really looked at it prior to this year. I think I was sort of intimidated by all the, I don't know, the, the complexities. And, right. I, I, was, I was calling them complexities in my mind of the training piece system. But mm-hmm. it's actually quite easy to use. Yeah, it's pretty intuitive. And the more you just jump in there and mess around with it, the, the more you'll see that it is easy to use. So yeah. I've been enjoying looking at the we development writers' ATPs frequently and my own, and you just get like an idea of like, oh, is something jumping out at me? Like, oh, why did this person have an entire week gone? Or why right. did they like double what they were supposed to do? Yeah, why is that one column yeah. three times as high as all the other columns? And so it just gives you a quick, easy way to see if there's something out of the ordinary. Yeah, exactly. And so that can then help you steer and make better choices moving forward with your training plan, mm-hmm. perhaps. You know, if you're like getting too many miles, you know, too many TSS, um, and your fitness is getting too high, although in a, at first you hear that and you're like, oh, I want my fitness high, but you don't want your fitness too high too early mm-hmm. because it's not sustainable to keep it going. Right. Um, all the way to whenever your A races, probably weeks or months down the road. So having that, using that as the pacer to pace your fitness build, I think is key. Um, and that kind of feeds into ramp rates, which we've talked about a little bit um, in the in past episodes as well. And in training peaks, as you collect your daily TSS scores from training, it, there's um, it's tracking like how much your CTL, your chronic training load, is going up, and that relates to your fitness level. As you train, you collect TSS and your fitness goes up. And the rate at which that number on the graph or that line on the graph is going up is is called the ramp rate. Um, and there's kind of like a range that's sort of optimal, and everyone's a little bit different. Um, but in general, I would say a weekly ramp rate of you know, two to six is kind of what I'd consider a normal or a good range to be in um, for a week. And so if you go into your, um, it's the home screen on your account, you can go in and see graphically what your ramp rates are. Um, and they'll list it in, in a week, seven days. They'll do it in four weeks, 28 days. They'll do 90 days, and they'll actually do 365 days, and you can see back. So for a week, like I said, two to six um, CTL points in a week is kind of what I'd consider sort of a normal, typical, good ramp rate. A really big training week might send it upwards to like seven, eight, nine, ten which is okay like once in a while, but very few people can sustain a ramp rate of eight or more for consecutive weeks because mm-hmm. it just builds too much fatigue. You're, you're increasing fitness too quickly. So keeping it more in that two to six range um, is more sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd say two to six is a pretty wide range. It is because everyone's different. Yeah. yeah. And you have to one – of the, one of the main reasons you should track your data in a program like Training Peaks is so you can – see what works for you, what has worked for you in the past Absolutely. so you can plan for the future. Yeah. Because in my opinion, it's not just about like wearing your, yourself out like too many hours. It's 
you know, considerations of like, I'm going to tweak something in my back or my knee or, mm-hmm. you know, my Achilles or something from overuse injuries. Right. And like, that's been a huge thing for me to figure out that like three to four ramp rate is what I can sustain. So I don't irritate my IT band. Yep. Yep. We have, and it's taken us a few seasons to it's kind taken of us a long time. figure that out. But mm-hmm. yeah, we have, I think figured that out and um, it seems to be paying off already this season. You know, we created your your program to keep you at that ramp rate mm-hmm. and we've even seen i can't remember when it was but a few weeks ago it was like oh you're already like kind of pushing it there you should probably even though you have room to go for a, another ride on sunday let's maybe just go play pickleball instead and mm-hmm. you know let that ramp rate chill out a little bit you know and i think that was a good move in the, in the i agree run. um so it's a good one to kind of look at so that you can look at weekly you can also look at the 28 day ramp rate mm-hmm. Um, so a range again, it's kind of wide cause it's very individualized, but like 10 to 20 CTLs per four weeks, or we could just say per month, um, is a good place to be, um, because you got to keep in mind more than likely one week a month is going to be more of a recovery week where, where you potentially will lose, like you have a negative ramp rate. Um, so you might go up, let's say five, uh, points a week for, three weeks you gain your 15 and then a recovery week maybe you drop three and so you're plus 12 over the four months or whatever uh, or four weeks and that's a good place to be because um, again it's like you could go out and annihilate yourself with <laughs> ramp rates of 10 you know per week for four weeks get a 40 in, you know 40 point increase on your fitness but guess what you're going to be extremely tired if not sick or injured at the end of that so um, good to look at. Now the 90 day ramp rate or three month long ramp rate gets a little trickier because quite often, I mean, three months is a big window mm-hmm. and like where we are right now, three months ago, um, let's see, like I'm looking at mine. Um, you know, I was at the end of, I was in my decline of the season. So it's, it's not a great, like apples to apples. Once we're more than three months into our training, you could look at that, but mm-hmm. it starts to be too long of a span to really, in my opinion, be too valuable, but it is sort of interesting. And the same also goes for that 365 or one year ramp rate. Uh, for example, mine's at like negative 22 right now, which is what it's telling me is I'm 22 points lower fitness, in quotes, mm. than I was this time a year ago. I and, think you took a longer off season I took a longer break Mm -hmm. I know last year we were much more like aggressive with the training earlier on which subsequently sort of led to me sort of feeling a little cooked by spring Um, I remember last spring I kind of lost interest in some racing and actually forced myself to take a little break before rebuilding and so anyway I was doing too much I think last year and I'm pacing myself a little bit better this year like delaying that fitness build Um, that's why but yeah I'm very confident it's going to get to the same level or you know I was last year when I need it to be in time for the big races but I'm not racing seriously until probably like June so I'm in no rush um, you know to build to a high level of fitness at that point. So I think ramp rate's a, a pretty good, pretty useful tool to just take a peek at. Um, I think weekly, honestly, let's watch that weekly ramp rate. I do too, yeah. And it's um, something that can change over the years. 
you know, like, like, like we were saying, you, you could be someone who could only handle a ramp rate, rate of two each week for mm-hmm. a couple of years. Then all of a sudden now you can handle three or four. I mean, yeah. That is a, a wonderful benefit of consistent training. Absolutely. Yeah. When you have years of data to review, it's super useful. You can really start to learn the nuances of the whole performance manager chart with like CTL and everything and ramp rates and really get it dialed in. Um, I feel like I've gotten to that point with my, my own self. Um, but that does take a long time. So stick with it, keep collecting the, the data. Um, and in the meantime, just take a peek, if not weekly, at least every like four to six weeks and see, see how things look. Um, and then another thing to review too that we found very helpful um, last year and this year is reviewing our WHOOP data. Um, so those of you who have listened to the podcast lately know we're, we're fans of the, of the WHOOP wearable device. Um, there's other devices out there like the Aura Ring and um, various other wearables that have uh, similar data collection um, in terms of sleep, uh, recovery, you know, readiness to perform, that sort of thing. And I think that's interesting data as well to review surrounding HRV and all of that. Um, but we'll, we'll speak specifically to the WHOOP um, and our WHOOP data. And we were just looking at this before we recorded the sh- uh, show to refresh our memories. But um, if, you, if you do have a WHOOP, you can log in um, on your phone or on your computer. I think actually the phone app is actually better than the computer mm-hmm. app, the okay. desktop app. Um, but you can get in there and you can get a quick overview of, of things. And I think one of the most useful is there's a little three bar, bar graph, um, that has the red, yellow, green, right? Your recovery scores over a different selection of durations, one week, two week, one month, three months, six month. So, you know, if we click on that last month, you can see how many, days were you in the green, how many days in the yellow, how many days in the red. And that right there gives you a very clear indication of how well are you handling or, or responding to not only your training, but your lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. there's many factors. Your training can put you in the red, but so can your lifestyle, right? There's many factors involved here. Um, and seeing some red flags potentially there. What do you think? Well, yeah, I'm such a visual person that all of these graphs are incredibly helpful for me because, like, boom, at a glance you see colors, and the colors mean something, and it's just easy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good. It, yeah, it's so if, you, good. if you're looking at that and you see a big stack of uh, red, clearly that's a, a red flag <laughs> um, that something needs to give. You're, maybe you're training too much. Maybe you're working too much. Maybe you're just too stressed out or not sleeping enough or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. You know, you need to then dive a little deeper and figure out what that is. Yeah, if I thought you, it was... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, no, I just thought it was funny to look at mine for the last month because I, I, I had a lot of greens, but I have two reds. I'm like, huh, what are these reds from? Mm-hmm. Um, and one was at the end of our first four-week block. We had four weeks of training or five-week block of four weeks of training and then the recovery week. Mm-hmm. And I was just like toast by the end of the four weeks. Mm-hmm. And the other red was when I flew home to Denver to visit the girls. Right. I, I got the COVID shot and I was at altitude. So I woke up 24% the next day. Right. So you flew home to visit our daughters, spend a little time with our daughters, and you had the COVID shot and you went to from low to moderate altitude mm-hmm. and you were in the red. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of interesting to, to remember the stories. Like, oh, hey, there is a reason why I just had to think about it for a second. Right, right. 
but if I were to see a lot of red stacked up, I mean, it... That's a clear indication something yeah. needs to be investigated. Mm -hmm. If you have a lot of yellows and a few greens and very few reds, you're probably fine. Um, there's room for improvement. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have a lot of greens and a few yellows and very little reds, then you're probably doing things to the best of your ability. So, so that's a good one just to quickly look at. Um, and if you see something that looks off, looks red flagged, you know, go dive in and, and try to see what you can kind of figure out. Right. Um, then you can also look at your strain um, over the course of those, you know, one week, two week, one month, three month um, segments that you can select. This one I'm not as concerned about because um, WHOOP being optical heart rate sensor based, it's honestly, it's just not the most accurate heart rate monitor in terms of like getting your strain on the day. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone kind of knows that. Honestly, it doesn't really bother me. I don't really necessarily care what the WHOOP thinks I've done because I know exactly what I've done from a training standpoint. I have my power meter. I have my heart rate monitor. I have all of that sort of thing. And the WHOOP does take into account how much effort or strain you did on the day, uh, but it's not a heavy... Um, I don't know what the technical term is, heavy load into the algorithm of mm. what you did. I mean, HRV is by far the most important measure in, the, in their algorithm that they um, use to calculate one's recovery, resting heart rate, a lot of those sorts of things. The optical heart rate sensors, not only just in the WHOOP, but any optical wrist-mounted heart rate sensor, uh, like a watch, um, it's just not that good, especially when you start moving a lot. It's just the, the technology just isn't that good. It is getting better. Like the 4.0 WHOOP is noticeably better than the 3.0, but there's still there's a good range of plus or minus um, within the workouts, and I'm, I'm not that concerned with it, so I don't even really review that in WHOOP. Um, they are working slowly towards being able to upload like your data from Wahoo, Strava, Garmin, Okay. for your workouts into Whoop, and that will help make that a bit more accurate. Um, but I, I just don't put heavy emphasis on what the Whoop thinks we're doing in terms of strain. Um, all right, so I do think it, the optical sensors do work well enough. Are they perfect? No, but they work well enough for things like resting heart rate, HRV, um, the skin temperature, the O2 saturation, those sorts of things. When we're in more of a stationary position throughout the day um all right so we'll skip the strain one i don't find it that useful then the recovery one i do find useful so again you can see those durations of time you can see where your recovery is now you can kind of see what days are the actual days of the week that you were in the red yellow and green um, this one's interesting potentially if you notice any like trends so if, you, if you've got some reds in there and you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm always red on Sunday, right? Maybe you'll look at that and that might be a, a, a little clue into like maybe you're doing a little too much on Saturday or not getting enough sleep consistently on Saturday or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. You're overloaded on Saturdays if you're always in the red over the last month or three months, um, in here so again you just look for little trends and then you can also look well where am i the, the you know green the most frequently um is it after your recovery days that would make the most sense but is it you know maybe it's not um there's been plenty of recovery days where i've thought i'm surely going to be in the green tomorrow and i'm in the yellow um 
and you can just sort of figure out trends and, and mm -hmm. see progress that you're making that way. You can also see how your HRV is trending as well as your resting heart rate and also your sleeping percentages. Um, so you want to see higher HRVs on a trend indicating as you become more fit, typically one's HRV becomes higher, like their normal HRV range becomes higher. So you want to see that. And then also as you become more aerobically fit, your resting heart rate becomes lower typically. Um, so if you're noticing trends of my resting heart rate is now hovering around 46, where it used to be 48, well, that's a, that's a good sign. But if it's the other way around, mm -hmm. maybe it's like, eh, look, keep that in mind, look into right. that. Maybe you're pushing it a little bit too much, not recovering well enough, things like that. So it's a good little review point there as well. And then same with sleep percentages. If you hopefully, you know, if you're training more, counterintuitively, a lot of training can sometimes disrupt one's sleep. So if you're in a heavy training cycle, and sleep percentages are going down a little bit, it's, I would say that's probably normal. If they're going down a lot, I'd be mm -hmm. concerned. Um, if they're going up, kudos to you. I mean, that's great. Um, so other things to kind of look at. And then you can actually dive into the hours of sleep, and you can really see all the um, different sleep metrics in there, latency, like how long it takes you to fall asleep, um, consistency in terms of how often do you sort of wake up or get up in, in, the, in, in the night. Um, respiratory rate. I think that's an interesting one. They've added that with the 4.0. Um, and that one I've noticed, like after a hard workout, I'll have a higher respiratory rate. And if, so if I see higher resting heart rate, higher oh, respiratory okay. rate, rate, I clearly, I know I just did a, heart, a hard workout, but this is like quantifying it. And then sometimes I'll do a hard workout and it has minimal impact on resting heart rate and respiratory rate. And to me, that's a sign of like, okay, I didn't overdo it. It was a challenging workout, but I'm adapting to it well enough. Um, and you can kind of see trends in that bar graph of, of those metrics as well. So there's a lot of data in there. Um, can be a little overwhelming perhaps, but once you get a little bit familiar with it, you can just quickly glance and see you're, what you're really looking at is just for the obvious problems. Problems. If you see a lot of red or you see a sharp decline in your sleep or uh, a decline in your HRV trends or, or uh, increases in your resting heart rate trends, things like that. If you see things like that, take, then start digging in a little bit deeper perhaps. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I think it's great. They did a fantastic job of creating like really pretty graphics that, that draw you in and make it easy to... To understand yeah to, to understand i agree I, I think so too and that's one of the reasons why i personally like that we've tried the aura ring we've tried some other phone uh app-based hrv measuring devices um i feel like the whoop has the best kind of data interpretations of all of those for athletes specific for athletes so um so yeah if you don't have a whoop yet and you're interested we do have um a special whoop page where you can go join.whoop.com forward slash with we and there you get you they'll actually send you a free whoop give you a free month um and because it, it's a subscription program and then you can sign up from that point on um and you can go month to month or six month or however long uh, subscription you want to sign up for but we find they're pretty useful tools
Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, and as coaches, they're, they've been really fun for us too because we have Sometimes. <laughs> well, we have about 15 or 20 of our juniors and, and on the phone app, we can see most of their data, like how much sleep they're getting and yeah. their strain and all that. And it's interesting to see how much or how little sleep they're getting, reminding them. Well, that. they're getting excited about seeing it. And, yeah, and working on it. Right. So that's what, Sorry, I keep talking. That's okay. About I'm you, talking but, over you. Um, I, I know, like Douglas has been excited to see his improvement in sleep. Uh, he thought he was sleeping more than he was. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle said the same thing. So it's it's been good for them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it it goes back to the the old saying of like, what gets measured gets worked on or improved mm-hmm. you know if you start measuring a certain metric then you're more likely to think about it and make better choices and improving it so mm-hmm. i think it's a good tool so check out the the whoops um very good any other you you were doing a lot of the review of the juniors this last week any other little tips tricks hacks well i do just one thing i guess and you need training peaks premium for okay. this as well and i i think it's really important. It's not that expensive. Um, and I definitely saw how much I missed it when I didn't have it for a couple months. Like mm-hmm. we somehow had lapsed it, a credit card had expired or something. And it's, it was really annoying to me that after a workout, I couldn't use the analyze feature and I couldn't see what I had done. Mm-hmm. So for that alone, it's worth the 10 bucks a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that, that for me is an important aspect of my training is just a quick review. And I'm not a data nerd like you are. Um, but it's so easy just to like look at it and say laps. Okay, for my eight minute, my four eight minute intervals, I did this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's way better than last week. I, I'm so excited. And they, you know, you get some kudos and pat yourself on the back. Or if there was a, you know, kind of a disappointing workout, you could just, okay, I see it. Let's, let me think about right. maybe what I could have done better before I tried the workout or did I fuel right during the workout? Because I see. You know, if you see like a sharp decline in your, your power numbers from interval one, to interval four, you should take an honest look at what you consume during the workout and maybe it was just a calorie thing, you know. So I really, really like doing that for myself. And that's one thing that, that I do regularly for the kids in the team is just like look at what, what they accomplished that week. I, I generally stick with looking at their structured intervals because it's just easy to like yeah. see like data that makes sense and, and matters. And the first thing I look at is... How high? How high did their heart rate go? Right to make sure they're not going too hard. Yes, that's a big founding principle of our. It's training. a founding principle of our training, and we keep hearing from the adults and juniors that this is the first time they've ever trained this way. Um, like it, their minds are blown, I guess. But <laughs> it it's just been really cool to review this data with the kids on the phone and say, "Hey, like Riley, it's such a good workout, but your heart rate is getting like." just a little too high we want we don't want it over 184 and you're getting up to 188 what's going on oh i got kind of excited or i in her case her heart rate drops actually not fitting well in her slim build but it's a it's such a great entry into a discussion of how did that that session go or how are these workouts going for you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that, that's what i like to do with it basically yeah yeah i think all the the data is, is interesting, to say the least, if mm-hmm. not extremely helpful. So, um, Cool. Well, let's uh, move on to the last little bit of the show here, which is where we're going to talk about our upcoming interval progression. So in our mm-hmm. Base Builder program, our format that we really have honed in on and, and find really useful 
is every two weeks progressing to the next higher energy system or range of power targets for our structured intervals. So we just finished our 32-minute power, which we talked about at the beginning of the show. We're going to progress the next these next two weeks to our 8- to 16-minute power. That amount of power output aligns with one's VO2 max energy system. Okay, so we are going to be training our 16-minute power and our 8-minute power. So if you were to go as hard as you could for 16 minutes and 8 minutes, you know, individually, it's those numbers, that wattage that you for that is what we're going to break into some intervals and do. So it's getting higher power is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to get at here. So it's going to be, so 16 minute powers, depending on one's fatigue rate, is going to be that 5 to 8% more power than what we just did mm-hmm. at the 32 minute power range. And then for our uh, 8 minute power intervals, that's going to be another 5 to 8%. Um, so it's getting to be quite a lot of power. Um, thankfully, the intervals do get shorter We'll stick with our sort of keystone format, which is dividing that power target by four. So for the 16-minute power, it'd be four by four minutes is sort of the the keystone workout, so to speak. And then for the eight-minute power, it'd be four times two minutes at one's eight-minute power. Now, we're training our muscles to do the work and still kind of seeing how our heart rate is responding to the power because we don't want our heart rate to go any higher than about 92% of max kind of goes along with our whole principle of like, let's not train overly or excessively hard because that's very stressful on our endocrine system and makes recovery difficult and interrupts consistency and training and all those sorts of things, right? The intervals themselves, because we're doing more work, you get more recovery, goes to a one-to-one work to rest ratio in most cases. And I'll talk about when and why that may change, um, but the interval durations and the subsequent recoveries with them are designed in the manner that you're do, able to do the power target and hopefully not exceed the 92%, meaning the intervals are short enough and there's enough recovery in between them mm-hmm. that you're likely going, you should be able to do the power target and not have your heart rate exceed the 92%. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Cuz if I said I want you to do your 8, you know, 8 minutes, 2 by 8 minutes at your 16 minute power, <laughs> that'd be extremely hard first of all. Doable but hard and being an 8 minute interval at that kind of power, you it would end up being close to a maximum effort and heart rate and it would be too stressful, heart rate would be over 92%. But if we keep the intervals to 4 minutes, it be, and you have four minutes of recovery, potentially, mm-hmm. you should be able to keep it under 92, get right up to 92. Four minutes of recovery is a lot of recovery. It gets you fully recovered so you can do it again and hopefully not exceed that 92%. So it's all thoughtfully planned to set you up, the rider up, for success. Um, all right, so a typical progression here... Um, is that you? We might sometimes begin people with fewer intervals. So instead of four by a set of four by two at eight minute power and a set of four by four at sixty minute power, in some cases as an introductory workout, we might just do three. Um, that's pretty common. So most of our athletes, our junior athletes and our adult athletes, will probably do three times two minutes at eight minute power, and then take a longer recovery, and then do three times four minutes in the first workout. So we've done that in the past with the other work. Uh, energy system workouts as well. 
if you're in the green on the given day, you know, maybe you add an additional set, meaning you're ready to take on some more training load so you can do a little bit more if you have time and interest in that. All right. Um, and then we'll work, then you, the next workout, you might get up to the four by two minutes at eight minute power and the four by four minutes at eight minute power in one workout. So it's a lot, it's a lot of good high power work. Now, for those riders on the trainer, and you'll remember this from trainer I class. I do, I do. The, the sneaky thing we do here when you're on the trainer is instead of adding more intervals, more two-minute intervals, like a fifth, let's say, and, and a fifth four-minute interval, as you progress and you're being successful with these workouts is we actually shorten the recovery mm-hmm. interval. It's evil. A little bit. So session number two, let's say you did four-by-two and four-by-four, and it worked well. Your heart rate was kept at or under that 92% of max. You know, and it was a, quote, successful workout. Then you would consider progressing to, instead of two-minute recoveries after the two-minute intervals and a four-minute recovery after the four-minute interval, we'd trim the recoveries to just a minute and a half after the two-minute intervals or in between the two-minute intervals. And you'd uh, trim the workout or the recovery to three minutes from four minutes after the four-minute one. That's a f- somewhat small change. It is impactful, especially on the two-minute ones. You'll notice that dropping to a minute 30. But it should still be doable. Mm-hmm. If it's not, repeat it again the next time. Try it again. If that's repeatable, then in the third session, what we would do is... If, that's rec- if that was successful. Uh, sorry, yeah. If that was successful, we'd take a little bit more of that recovery away. So down to only a minute recovery in between the two-minute ones. And then down to two minutes recovery, four minute one. Now this starts to become pretty challenging because less recovery means your heart rate won't dip down as much. Therefore, you'll start the next interval a little bit higher heart rate and therefore get to that 92% sooner and maybe beyond. In which case, then you want to backpedal. And this is talking about being on the trainer. Backpedal for 10 or 15 seconds to sort of give yourself a short little mini recovery. That'll bring your heart rate down a few beats and then get back to the, the specific power target that you're looking for. So we can avoid that excessive heart rate over 92% of max. How would you reduce the recovery times outside? Okay, so outside, what I would typically do instead of reducing recovery times is I would just add another um, interval. Okay. Because it gets a little tricky. When you're doing intervals outside, you can't be quite as precise the precision is lost and that's one of the huge benefits of doing intervals on the trainer is that precision so when you're outside instead of trying to manipulate you could you could do it if if where you're riding allows for that and you can be that precise i mean go for it but what i would typically do is add another interval add a, a fifth interval okay um to you know five by two and then five by four starts to get pretty challenging. If you're successful in that, you could consider adding a sixth. I wouldn't do any more than six. That sounds mean. It's very hard. Not that many people will get to that, but mm-hmm. um, if you know numbers and things are, are set correctly and whatnot. But yeah, when you can't be quite as precise outside. Okay. So so add an interval outside, take away your recovery inside is kind of the, the sneaky way of, of progressing. Um, and then I think there were... Oh, I, I, sorry, I did interrupt you. You were going to talk, tell about a fourth way. Yeah, the fourth one. Different. I remember in the trainer studio, we did this a couple of times. Did we? Ooh. 
um, where we had extremely short recoveries. It was like a 30-second recovery in between the two-minute ones and just a minute between the four-minute ones. <laughs> were people crying? People were crying. People were failing. You know, it was hard. Yeah, um, so maybe too hard. Probably too hard for most people, but it was a good a good time. Were you experimenting <laughs> on them? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I remember not liking that one for sure. Um, but, yeah, you got to experiment. It sometimes. sounds like there was like a pool of sweat on the entire floor. It was brutal. One. Yeah, it was really brutal. Well, what happens is you just end up backpedaling more then, within the intervals. Is that really worth it then? I think it, there's arguments, pros and cons either okay. way. Um, you know, there's two ways, more than one way to skin a cat, as they say. So, so yeah, that's, that's our interval progressions for the upcoming two weeks. I think we've said this before on the podcast, but I personally, VO2s are the hardest intervals for me to execute. Like they're mm-hmm. the ones I would dread more than any of them. So the trend talking to the junior riders was that they were looking forward to these. The juniors, most. juniors love it. And I think my hunch why is younger athletes tend to be more anaerobically powered. Mm-hmm. You know, they can lean heavily on the short power. Mm-hmm. Myself, at least I'm more of the diesel, like long steady power. So to go for these like now shorter high power intervals are harder for me. Like they feel harder. Right. Whereas a junior can like go really hard for short durations easier in respect. At, where, where theirs is the, the eight minute intervals are super hard for yeah. them because they don't have that muscular endurance. But but yeah, juniors tend to love VO2s. Or they think they do. We'll, or they we'll think ask they do. them in two weeks right. how it went. <laughs> right, we'll find out. <laughs> exactly. Um, do you have any tips or thoughts on VO2? It's been a while since we've done VO2s. Yeah, but. no, I... I think it'll be good. Just lots of gels in my pocket and um, drink mix in my bottle. Yeah, drink mix is key. Um, you were sort of surprised at how many calories I was taking out yesterday, weren't you? Yeah, you 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 consume a lot of calories. That would set you up to be a good endurance racer. Maybe I should dabble. Stomach, <laughs> stomach the amount of calories you were putting in. I think I um, almost took in as many calories as I burned. Yeah, that, on the right. Is that weird? That's a lot. It's good. It didn't bother me well, at all. Well, how good was your workout? It was, it was amazing. amazing. I know. So I've always told people, like, you, they're always like, how many calories should I consume per hour for this race? Or, you know, the, the bottom line answer is as many as you can tolerate. Okay. Like, there is, there's never too much except to the point where it upsets your stomach or you have distress you know gi distress or whatever no it didn't bother me at all yeah I, you know, and in fact when we stopped at the bakery in town for a cookie i didn't even want it i wasn't hungry oh right and yeah. see i was maybe a tad under fueled oh. so i was like getting i That's was hungry why you even so the cookie was mentioned appealing. the cookie yeah <laughs> i had no intention of stopping i was like okay you want to stop sure right and you only had like a fourth of the oh, cookie. i didn't even want yeah. it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um anyway yeah the cookie cookie secrets being spilled. <laughs> Cody loves cookies. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't have cool. anything else after that. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's our VO2s. That's part of our base builder version. Well, all of our base builder plans have VO2s of this structure, but our version 4.0 plans available on Training Peaks um, integrate the, the WHOOP metric so you can know when you need to add or subtract the amount of work you're doing or number of intervals and so forth. So kind of a, adds a piece, a layer of dynamicness to the training. Um, if you're into the, uh, the metrics of like a whoop or, or a ring type of thing. So, um, all right, I guess that's it. That's it. Well, thanks for joining us and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more interesting drivel. 
There you go. And in between now and then, check us out on our website, Instagram, Strava, Facebook. Oh, and go order your bike kits. And order your bike kits. Like two days is all you're going to have. Exactly. Exactly. And if you like listening to our show, please, as always, leave a rating and review. We definitely could use and would like some more rating and reviews. And um, probably most importantly, share us with your other cycling friends. Yeah, we'd appreciate it. All right. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans. Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season. We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling-specific strength training, and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between. Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression. Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community, you're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.